Friday night, let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton with Matt and John and Mike and Bill. I almost forgot that other Matt too. All right, so welcome to another edition of Friday Night Games podcast. Uh, with us today is John, and we have a special guest with us today is Alex Eston from Brickerette Games. Cool, welcome. So today we're going to be talking about Alex's game, which is called The Black Brick. Very cool, and it's on Kickstarter right now, and I believe it's mm -hmm. on Kickstarter until until April third, Friday, April third. Excellent. So by the time you hear this, you'll have about a week to get it. So awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So first, I just want to say uh, right off the bat, so congrats on being fully funded. Thank you. Thank you very That's much. Awesome. Uh, it was one hell of a Sunday uh, afternoon for sure. Um, you know, that Friday afternoon, I was not panicking a little bit, but you know, you have those conversations with the wife where you're like, all right, so what happens if, you know, da da da? And funny how your perspective can change in, you know, over two and a half days. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely sounded like a, a roller coaster ride. Because I was following you on Facebook the whole time, right? Yeah. So I was, yeah. I was definitely listening, and I'm like, oh, man, that must be pretty stressful. Yeah. Um, but you made it. You made it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty pretty pumped. You know, I'm sure you're pretty pumped about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, pumped and a little bit terrified, you know. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, because you, you, know. you have to produce this game. Yeah. Yeah, you got to <laughs> produce the game now, and, um, you know, it, it, it has now officially become, like, completely real. Uh, you know, I would say 98% of everything is, is done and in the can, ready to go. And it's just finishing that last 2% that, you know, a little, little stressed out about it. Trying to finish that last 2% has been a challenge over the past couple of weeks because, you know, not knowing and having that air of uncertainty kind of floating over you like, okay, well, you know, is this project even actually going to happen? You know, I'm trying to stay motivated to just get everything finished, all the assets and everything so I'm going to be able to just, doom, just crank it out as soon as, if, if the project funds, I don't have everything, you know, prepped and ready to go and so um, it, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, uh, for sure um, thankfully most everything is, is ready to go um, the rule book is 98% solid as well a um, couple little, little tweaks here and there and yeah, it's been it's been lunacy, I tell you, lunacy. Sweet. So, um, I actually got to meet you at PAX Unplugged, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was glorious. Uh, and there you demoed uh, the black brick to me, which was really cool in front of uh, a bunch of friends. It was actually like all your close friends and family, and then me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was does absolutely incredible. Does that mean incredible. does that mean I'm uh my part of the family? Oh, of course. I mean, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, next time you're in Philly, dude, we're we're going out for for dinner and drinks, man. Absolutely, it's without Sweet, a question. Yeah. That's probably Pax Unplugged right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't get canceled, like everything else, but yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so I guess you could tell me and John about uh, the Black Brick. Sure, sure. So um, it's a card-based tabletop dungeon crawler, kind of molded in 
the the, the you know the vein of uh, Diablo one and Guild Wars one, um, you know very classic dungeon crawl. Uh, you know, randomized encounter, you know, style games. The uh, team dynamics are very much MMO inspired. Um, you know, you've got a large collection of skills and only a set number of slots available to use. And so, it's uh, it's kind of a combination of all my different, all my favorite different little games and genres and playstyles. And the fact that the whole thing fits in a three by four by eight inch box is is kind of cool. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I really liked um I really liked the aspect it kind of you know reminded me of Diablo um it reminded me a little bit of World of Warcraft but then mm-hmm. when you actually said it to me when you said it, it you know it was very Guild Wars inspired I was like oh yeah this is this is really Guild Wars inspired right yeah. the whole like cooldowns on everything and mm-hmm. and and Guild Wars the original one was was based off of cards so basically yeah. you took it the opposite <laughs> Yeah yeah cards to Guild Wars, to your game, right? It kind of went yeah. full circle, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, no, it, it definitely like reminded me of you know World of Warcraft meets Guild Wars type thing with the skills and and the and the cooldowns and then fighting fighting the you know fighting the enemies reminded me of like you know like typical D and D. Yeah, it was cool for me because I remember looking at your uh, Instagram profile mm-hmm. and just kind of saying I me- I messaged you and I said yeah. that I was intrigued by your game. Mm-hmm. And, you gave me like a huge spiel about what it was, <laughs> what, what it was about, and no, that, that's that's fine. Yeah. And it was it was awesome because I was just like, "Hey, Matt, you're checking this game out when you go mm-hmm. to PAX." <laughs> so I, just, I, I basically just told him that. Basically, um, Mission Command told me <laughs> I was going to meet, meet up with you there. In your in your description, though, you were telling me that you said that you started out kind of as like a Lego D and D variant or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, the whole thing started as a Lego D and D kind of just goofy little thing that that my friends and I were were playing and as we were trying to <clears throat> smooth out the the gameplay I guess you know we were messing with 3 and 5e and all and nothing ever quite gelled um and I think the breaking point for us came when we were trying to get the constitution attribute to actually cooperate with what we would really like this game to be um, the whole, oh yeah, roll, you know, roll a die, and oh, calculate constitution, divide by this, and multiply by that, da 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 da. You know, what we really liked about even this concept was it was very fast, very easy, you know, single digits for a lot of the attributes. You know, nothing super complicated. The, the, the challenge and complexity in the game came from the emergent strategies rather than the the crunchy you know number you know backbone basically and so eventually we started pulling it away from from D and D proper and we started developing this own you know our own little proprietary you know combat engine and ability system. So basically, you were playing D and D and you saw the flaws. Like you were seeing flaws with your Lego D and D. Am I getting that right? Yeah, basically, uh, just and not flaws necessarily, I guess, but things that didn't quite make sense to us, or things that didn't work for us, things that kind of just slowed down the pace of the game. Where, you know, we 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 wanted something very fast, you know, very, you know, very speedy, very very hard hitting, and you know, we didn't really want to deal with a one d twenty, you know, the whole time, uh, which I think kind of led to us doing a customized one d six for the game. Um, and, and unfortunately, that was not something that we had, you know, at PAX Unplugged. 
But um, in a later version of the game, we're doing uh, two customized uh, D6s where um, on two of the faces, there's a one point. On three of the faces, there's a two point, And there's a one three point face. So basically, it reduces the damage scale down basically one to three. It actually works really well in practice since we were, we were really happy with how it turned out. So, so simple, simpler is better sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're talking to two people who played uh, years of D&D also, mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, well, I, I definitely played longer than you, John, but how long did you play, John? I think it was a year, maybe? Yeah, I, I played for about a year. Once we had our second child, it was kind of hard to get out, you know, to spend like an entire day because we would play in the most in uh, Detroit a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, to spend an entire day in like another country away from newborn was kind of a hard sell so then i just sort of just got out of it i want to get back into it again because uh i know uh in one of our campaigns there's a cowl waiting for me that i need to put on my character so (laughs) i need need to get that thing back yeah we (laughs) i mean like a lot lot of the things you're you're talking about you know speeding up combat and stuff I, i totally agree with i feel like sometimes you're playing and the combat seems to go forever and or or turns take a long time and you're just just like you know it's funny because you you in my mind you did the thing that we were always doing we're like how do i speed this up <laughs> right yeah what can i do to make it better why do i always why do i when i need to f- choose skills i have to open this book and search for 20 minutes mm-hmm. you know what i mean why can't it be in front of me and i think like like one of the awesome things i like about your game is that to me it feels like a D substitute yeah like i feel like i could take your game um and add in the role playing and add in the you know searching towns and stuff but then turn the combat into the hey you know what we're doing combat we're just going to use you know your cards in game and i'm like i think that that is one of the coolest things in Mm -hmm. my mind and i'm like that's what i want to like do with it more yeah like i was finding with our our campaigns so we don't follow a um a module or anything like that so our our dm was creating this giant campaign from his from his brain so we we were kind of like at the the mercy of whatever he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like our games would be all day and we would barely do anything. Yeah. And uh, so it was kind of like that was Matt and I were always like, well, you know, I wish this was like faster. I want to get more into it because it's mm-hmm. the campaign was really good, but doing so little each time, you know, felt very. Uh, it, it felt slow. I felt like every session was about three hours, and we'd either do combat or we'd do role playing, and then yeah. the next month we would continue, right? So yeah, because we just do it like once a month. But enough about I, us. No, no, it's <laughs> funny because it, it's funny because like as you guys are, are you know kind of you know uh, you know going into this a little bit, it, it, it re- I realized. Um, so Matt, you know, you mentioned um, you know oh yeah you know all these locations and whatever. Um, so I, I've talked about this a little bit with a few other people, but not anything like big out in public official. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. are you about to tell us something? I am, I am. I'm <laughs> totally right, about sweet. to tell you something. So, <laughs> um, so if if the game, the Black Brick, is well received, if people like it, and I've got a good feeling about it, I, I mean, you guys have been hugely clutch throughout the whole process, and and we can't thank you enough for that. Um, so if people like the game, if it takes off, if there's thirst and hunger for additional content. Um, we do have uh, in the rough prototyping development process right now, the Black Brick Chapter 2. Um, so it's uh, it's a three-act, <clears throat> two-part adventure. 
where it's a direct sequel for this campaign. Um, not to do too much of a spoiler kind of thing, but um, so essentially the party is successful at the end of this first chapter, right? So the, you, you bring the, the rune back to the king, and he immediately goes insane, you know, warped by the dark power of this obsidian chunk. Throws your party in prison, and not just in prison, but a desert prison buried deep under the sand. Oh, this and is so, very this is very Diablo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it, like Diablo two is just like running through my head basically for that's this cool. part, yeah, right? Keep going, sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and so, uh, you know, you you get tossed in this subterranean desert prison, and and this is where chapter two opens up, right? So so in chapter one you're going down through a castle, and this you're going up through the prison. And here's where we're going to introduce equipment and relics. Because as you're going through this dusty desert prison, you're coming upon old rusty swords, shields, you know, stuff left behind by dead guards, prisoners, you know, whatever. And what we're envisioning for the gameplay mechanic for this is uh, you can choose to use this hardware. And it's got a set number of uses, probably using the same card rotation kind of mechanic, and after a set number of uses, they break. And so you discard them, shuffle them back into the treasure deck or whatever we're going to use for it. So you get back up through this prison, you escape, and the king's waiting for you. So he has his men tie your party up and chucks you into the sea. And so basically that's the end of the first act. Start of the second act is what we call Lord of the Deep. So you're in the underworld at this point, and now you've got to fight Bloodbeard the Vampire King for your freedom um <laughs> which we had to get the you know bloodbeard character in there somehow is and that so, is, uh, is bloodbeard like a, a character from your campaign of D D? basically yeah uh That's well cool. no uh, uh originally came about because uh when lego released its uh uh tech infection line they had these these tech vampires and at some point, we just threw them together with a pirate set, and we're like, "Man, that looks amazing! Like, we got to do a vampire at some point." And <laughs> That's so, cool. yeah. And so, um, what the vampire's gonna gonna let us do is uh, introduce the, the stealing, you know, gameplay mechanic because we don't have a thief class in the game yet at all. Um, so this way, it'll let us bring in a very familiar, you know, RPG kind of trope. Um, and so you, you, your party defeats Bloodbeard, you earn your freedom, you get back to the surface again, only to find that like a hundred years have passed. And so, you know, the, the nation is blighted, you know, plagued, um, you know, the Mad King is just running roughshod over everything, and now it's up to your party to, you know, basically overthrow this, this you know, tyrant's, uh, you know, rule. Um, and this is actually where we're going to introduce location cards. We're still gonna fi we're trying to figure out how it's gonna actually play out, but um, we've got these location cards in mind where the party is presented with three different cards. And he's like, okay, do we go to the desert, forest, or a town? You flip it over, it gives you a description, some flavor text, whatever. And um, so you know, as you mentioned, like all these different locations, it's like you know what? Yeah. Oh, sweet. No, that sounds cool. So you're kind of like building really uh, cool. like build your own adventure almost, right? That's kind of like yeah. what you're doing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. That's super cool. So yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. That, I actually like the the mechanic of getting 
the thing that really caught my attention of what you just said was the mechanic of actually picking up weapons and then them breaking. I think that is an awesome idea. That is mm -hmm. such a good idea. Yeah, like, and it's funny because... Um, like, trademark it right now. <laughs> I guess it is. You put it out there in the other, yeah. so I guess it's basically yours. But that's yeah. an awesome idea. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how much you, you played of, like, uh, Breath of the Wild. Um, but, like, they've got a weapon-breaking you know, mechanic in there. But, like, the weapons are so fragile that it, you never want to use your best weapons anyway. So for yeah. this, it's like, oh, you're, you're going to be picking up rusty swords the whole time, so... You want to use them. You want to get that plus one for that one single attack, kind of thing. And yeah, so, that's super cool. That's such a good idea, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of it. But yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely cool. Well, that actually answers the what's next because we're gonna ask you. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna ask you what's next, but that actually answers it. So that's pretty cool. So that wow. So that'll. So how much do you have yeah. more? Like in your, you don't have to tell us, but in your head, like, do you have? <laughs> more ideas that you're that you want to throw out there besides locations and and yeah the weapons and and you know going up through a castle like do you have like is it kind of infinite based on your your, your lego slash dnd is it like you're just like i have a million ideas and you just want to unleash it on us um yeah because uh so so here's a funny thing um and actually let me just pull up the spreadsheet spreadsheet because, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah yeah <laughs> uh the the hilarity is um you know one throughout the entire design process uh i i did a lot of the design work on my iphone and i came to discover that there's absolutely a limit to how many macros and formulas you can have in a, a spreadsheet on iphone yeah it crashes excel it's pretty hilarious um but yeah so so in addition to the mad king and you know lord of the deep if we if we get to this point, which who knows what's going to happen, right? We've got a couple of other, essentially two-part chapter expansions, like if chapter three and four. We're looking at Void Walkers, Ascension, A Kingdom of Ice and Fire, and The Lost Knight, which we see as a bonus campaign. Um, we're still working out the rough stories and plots for that, but... You know, when we say that we've got like a one to three year plan for the black brick, we really do have a one to three year, you know, plan. Um, and, uh, excuse me. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, we've got a lot of content bubbling around. No, that's awesome. I, uh, I mean, it's going to be great, right? Like, this is a good, like, this is a good Kickstarter. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so you know, this is a good start. So basically, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to see where you're gonna go from here. You know, mm -hmm. this is, this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Like, your, your mind obviously has a million things going on. Uh, yeah, it absolutely does. Um, and uh, you know, we, we've talked a little bit on Instagram about what our follow-up game would be. Uh, Deathman is dead, which um, I don't know if you guys ever saw Mystery Men back in the '90s, like when it came out. Uh, ben Stiller, Janine Garofalo, um, William H Macy, uh, basically about loser superheroes. There's this one bit in the movie where uh, Greg Kinnear's character, Captain Amazing, he needs to have super fights again because he's already vanquished all the city's villains and he's got nobody decent to fight anymore. So he's talking with his, his publicist in the back of his limo. And he's like, "Well, get Deathman." 
his publicist is like, well, Death Man is dead. And so that one line has stuck with me over the years. And so what I want to do is take that line and turn it into a competitive card game, basically Gloom plus Boss Monster plus Cards Against Humanity, where every player is a wannabe supervillain trying to out-evil each other to become the next Death Man. You know, we got that in the pipeline, Space Cat Adventures, Mr. Zombie's Holiday Cruise. Ooh, cats. So. Everyone loves cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, Jesus. You know what? You know what, Alex? That's going to be your big one. You know, you love the black yeah. brick, but then you put the cats one up there. That's going to yeah. be the one that sells. Everyone's going to be like, oh, oh my yeah. God, cats. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's funny because uh, originally Space Cat Adventures would be our, our follow-up, but we felt like we needed like a, a palate cleanser after Black Brick because Black Brick was one of the heavier games that we've got you know, going on, and Space Cat Adventures would likely be similarly kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, you know, let's go something a bit lighter, a bit you know, easier to kind of crank out. I'd be lying if Space Cat Adventures didn't like have the back of my mind the whole time because, you know, we'd have like different like alien cat, you know, species that your you know, your big cardboard box ship would uh, interact with. And um, they'd all be cat puns. Celestials yes. and furions and you know, <laughs> I, I just there, there's a lot of of goofy stuff going on in there, and so um, yeah, like I, I totally agree with you, Matt. That Space Cat Adventures would that could be the one that just like breaks open completely and just it, you know, it's probably always the one you you don't realize, you know, <laughs> like the one you're just like, yeah, oh, this, this one's just, just throw it together, you slap it together and like send it out there. And then you're like, ah, this is kind of crap. But then everyone's like, oh my God, I love it. I love, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love yeah. Space Cat Adventures. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? So, okay. So let's, let's talk a little more about Black Brick. Um, yeah. What were some of the difficulties you had creating it? Not overwhelmed, not frustrated. Um, certainly a little bit of stress, I think. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with just figuring out the character attributes and how the ability cards themselves were going to interact with the character attributes. Um, I guess really just one gigantic balancing kind of, uh, you know, challenge. You know, in the uh, in the spreadsheet, um, I ended up macroing and formulating out uh, an entire damage tracker tool. Um, so at least in real time, I could see, okay, well, if I change this attribute to this, increase health to this, what does that do in terms of when does that character die? You know, where those kill zones end up, you know, happening within each round. But even the spreadsheet couldn't completely predict what happens when players get their hands on these characters and the abilities. And so I think the biggest challenge and the biggest stressor the whole time was figuring out, you know, the the play and the dynamic between how much damage can be realistically put out versus how much damage a character could realistically take, finding that smart tension between offense and defense. Um, and there were some play tests, you know, some demos where I legitimately thought that our testers were going to like walk away from the table. 
you know, we had uh, we had one demo in Philly where you know level one, you know level one game, um, and we just happened to draw a cursed card. We happened to draw a commander and like two <laughs> captains. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like and and you just you can see the train wreck happening, right? And you know that there's nothing you can do to stop it. And oh my god, like I it was dumb luck that that these players like decided to stick it out because, you know, the sorrow, the ranger commander was just ruining everyone's day. And by the end of the the first game we did, um People wanted to finish it just so they could kill the sorrow, um, which was really cool to see. Actually, there's some silver lining there, in that players started to kind of create their own narrative. I guess you know they were getting emotionally invested in it, and if anything else, they wanted the sorrow's head on a silver platter. And so, even in a train wreck of a demo where I was stressing out, they still wanted that revenge which is really, really cool. And then after that, I suggested, hey, well, if you want, we can do another demo. And I customized that exploration deck so we had mostly minions, maybe a captain or two, and everybody loved it a lot more. And so that was absolutely a really stressful kind of situation because that's what really got me realizing, okay, we're going to need a recommended exploration card setup. Um, for new players, we got to figure out a way to ease them, you know, into the game. Yeah. Because Matt, you know, just as well as anybody, <laughs> if you if you draw the first time, you're drawing commanders and captains, you're gonna have a tough time. And so. Yeah, you're you're. There's more rules to it, right? So obviously, you're gonna be like, oh, what do I know? <laughs> what do I gotta learn? <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. But no, I, I mean, but that's good. I mean, those are things you you need to encounter so you can you know the game could get better. Obviously, right. When you were developing the game, like how many play tests did you do before you decided like, hey, this is this is my final product that I'm going to release out into the public? Because at some point you have to be like, this is it. This is what the game is, right? So, mm-hmm. what was that tipping point for you? How many play tests did you go through? And so I think that there were essentially two versions of the game. Um, throughout the entire, I guess, two-and-a-half-year kind of development cycle. Uh, the first half and would have been, I think, six to seven playtests for each version. Uh, the, okay. first ver- the first version we had was um, we were still using, like, a grid-based combat system, you know, still using, like, LEGO minifigs on the board. Um, and it was fun, but at the same time, you know, setup was... You know, setup took a while. We knew that we wanted the ability card combat to be a big part of the game, but getting to that point required a lot of slogging through positioning and movement. And, you know, if somebody, if you've got a group where they're big, like, strategy RPG fans, Mm -hmm. they're going to just launch right into that because they're all about movement and positioning and it's completely second nature to them. But what we saw was we we had a lot of people just wanted to get they wanted to throw cards down on the table kind of thing and so we we eventually ditched the grid based physical positioning and went strictly card based and then with the strictly card based version we did about seven maybe eight play tests there as well 
Um, the nice thing is, you know, because we had the card combat intact throughout the entire experience, once we got to that, the final couple of tests with the card version of the game, we knew that, yes, this was something that worked, it was fun, people enjoyed it, they liked the variety, they liked the customization, like, they liked the metagaming, um, and really I think the, the biggest validation point for us was PAX Unplugged, where, you know, we had a full game of six, and everybody seemed to really enjoy it, that's, and that's where we really realized, like, okay, this this can work. Awesome. I was thinking, like, playtesting for me is just so nerve wracking, right? Because you're putting your like your baby out there to be criticized <laughs> and picked apart, and you know. And if you can't take that feedback, then uh, that that could be tough. So kudos. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um. I mean, the 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 biggest bit of feedback that um definitely sent me a little sideways maybe was um and this was something I was not prepared for either and I should have gone into this kind of knowing my audience and that was a big lesson that I took away from this um at PAX Unplugged the second day that Sunday I managed to get a meeting with uh Kurt Covert of Smirk and Dagger Games um just pitching the game to him and you'll see what he thought um little did I know it basically turned into a gameplay demo <laughs> oh really <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious, so, right? And so <laughs> you're like, you're, you probably didn't expect that, eh? You're just like, oh, I'm just gonna talk about my game a little bit. And yeah, like, pulls you in. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And so I basically, you know, we, we I, I had to really quick scramble to, to set up a demo kind of thing. And and there's Kurt, you know, the designer of of Cutthroat Caverns, which is a game that my friends and I have played for years, and it's absolutely fantastic. And so. I'm basically I'm trying to, you know, walk Kurt through this game that ends up being way too easy because, uh, like a fool, I thought, okay, well, let's just do level one because minions and blah blah blah, and I know how uh, a minion or full-on commander fight can go. So I figured, okay, we'll just do standard minions and whatever. And then Kurt, you know, he's like, hey, look, you know, basically, you got something good here, but you got to find that tension. And after that, I'm like, yeah, I, I should have expected that. That's you know what? <laughs> that's fu it's funny because it sounded like I went to like a at Pax Unplugged earlier Saturday. They had like um, you know, how to make games that last, and one of the topics yeah. was tension. So maybe Kurt was at that one. Uh, it's <laughs> entirely possible. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I yeah, sorry, keep going. So he said, get yeah, to yeah. the tension point. Yeah. So so Kurt, uh, you know, had some brilliant advice. You know, you, you got to find the tension. You know, this kind of game, it can work, but you got to find the tension. you got to find that struggle, the challenge, because that's where players are going to derive satisfaction, you know? And, you know, sure enough, in the playtest we did at Philly Game Shop a couple of months later, you know, yeah, people were hitting the brick wall with, you know, the Sorrow Commander or whatever, but they had that tension, they had that challenge, they had that danger, and that's what propelled them forward to want to just kill the Sorrow and, and get that, you know, revenge. And so after that meeting with Kurt, um, it took about a good half hour for me to, like, reorient myself and start thinking about all the feedback and going through it because, you know, part of the challenge was because I wasn't anticipating having a live demo, I just wanted to go up and thank him for, you know, the inspiration, you know, 
and everything, but that was one of the most stressful <laughs> game demo experiences I've ever had or well, ever will have, yeah, I'm sure. This, and guy's, so, this guy's clearly your hero. <laughs> yeah, like... Right? So... You're, a, you're starstruck, and you're like, oh, man, I'm demoing this yeah. person I know. I love these games. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, I'm so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, I get uh, it. I so, get it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy, but it was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, it was a great trial by fire, basically. And, uh, yeah, it just sometimes you hit those very stressful moments that – reveal to you, I guess, exactly the path forward that you need to take. And uh, from PAX Unplugged on through Philly Game Shop, on through the Kickstarter launch, like the those final couple of months were what completely crystallized what we knew that the game needed to be. And the fact that we funded um, really... I guess kind of validates that, you know, yeah, we're on the right path. It's awesome. Um, you know, this was something that needed to happen exactly as it did. I think you may you may have already answered it in our dialogue before, <clears throat> but you know, talking about D and D and all that stuff, what would make someone who is a diehard D and D fan want to play your game? Hmm. Well, I think. Part of it is, you know, because the game is D&D adjacent, um, I think if a hardcore D&D player would like some of their, let's say, more inexperienced, you know, tabletop gamer friends to get into the, the D&D role-playing kind of arena, um, I think the Black Brick would be a really good, I guess, gateway drug-slash-game uh, to to get that to happen, um, I think if a hardcore D and D player um, maybe doesn't necessarily have the time anymore to devote to large scale, you know, campaigns, but still wants that uh, almost pick up and play role playing kind of nature. I think uh, the black brick would would satisfy, would scratch that itch, certainly. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said that you know Final Fantasy games and basically every single digital RPG in the market owes their very lives to D and D. Um, and so, I would even say that if there's a hardcore D and D player out there who um, has spent a lifetime playing, you know. Final Fantasy and Baldur's Gate, um, where they love customization. They love being able to really custom tailor a character build, uh, where they like the metagame. Um, I think they'd find a lot to like in here. Uh, if they even want to explore what the PvP mode has to offer, you know, Arena, where it's 2 to 12 players, um, I think they would find a lot to like in the black brick as well. So um, I don't think it's any one particular thing that might attract a hardcore D&D player to the black brick. I think it's a lot of like maybe smaller things. Um, and may maybe they just, maybe they just love good stained glass art style. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> I, 
Like, I, I, yeah, but I guess, yeah. like, you know, from my perspective, I definitely saw it as an easier setup, just as complicated. Uh, like, the combat system was just as complicated with, you know, an easier setup. And I think that that really shouted out D&D to me. Plus, like, hey, I could get people who don't know anything about D&D way easier into that game than than I possibly could into D&D, right? If I get someone into D&D, I'm going to be the one doing all the work. If I put them in front of this game that already Sorry, has... Sorry, Matt. that's an aside for a second here but if i could get them into the game then obviously i can like you know i could give them the cards they could figure out themselves i don't have to like do all that work um so just a side note when we used to play D &D, i used to be the dungeon master and if i wasn't the dungeon master i was basically the guy setting up everyone into the game so if people missed, I'm like, oh, man, okay, I got to open my rule book and I got to fill out their stuff for them and help them through it because they didn't want to spend that hour figuring out themselves. John, <laughs> pointing at you, buddy. Listen, I got kids, man. Oh, all your excuses over there. <laughs> <laughs> what, the guy with no kids <laughs> can do everything? No, I was sorry. Yep. <laughs> But no, but it's just like the the fact that you you know you're you become the the master of the game. You have to set people up. Mm -hmm. It's like it's much easier to take your game, which has you know it's it's you you worded it right. It's D and D adjacent. It isn't D and D, mm -hmm. but it has a lot of the same mechanics and get them to play yeah. very easily. You know, and I don't mm -hmm. have to worry about like those stupid little things like ooh, how many ability points do you get because you're an elf or a human? Like I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I have to look yeah. this up every time. Oh my god. Yeah, and like uh, one one thing that that has always frustrated us about D and D are like the spell sheets. So, oh, you can only use you know this set of spells you know four times at this level. I'm just like, why? I mean, if we've got the spells, I mean, you know, why can't we? You know, why can't we use them basically oh. whenever we want? Yeah, and then you and, and so. then you have people who you play with who are like, I want to use it all the time, and then the other people are like, I, no, I read the rules, you can't do that. That's yeah. against three point yeah. five six eight two rule <laughs> number forty, page forty two. I'm like, first of all, I'm like, how did you memorize those rules? But second of all, it's yeah. like, yeah, okay, like, come on. <laughs> and and. And honestly, like you did a really good thing because when you play D and D, you look at it and you're like, you know, all these are just relatively guidelines. You know, yeah, they're all guidelines. That's all they are. Like you don't have to do anything. It says, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can just role play the whole time if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's my rant. Um, no, that's fine. Because <laughs> uh, uh, one of the things that um, is interesting about the Black Brick, especially, is you know because campaign mode can essentially function as a DMless, you know, campaign, and it's easy to kind of keep track of. Um, I think in the version of the game that you guys have, uh, the combat traits are still a bit wordy. Um, I, I, you know, we didn't have the chance to like simplify them down at all. Um, but because every monster has a combat trait for attack and counter attack, there's no guesswork in terms of what this monster is going to do. It's just right there on the, the same card that's used to track their health and their damage, their attributes, you know, whatever. Um, and if somebody does want to get into that DM, you know, kind of space, you know, Overlord mode is a great way to to do that. And, and I guess um, I would even argue maybe that uh, if somebody wants to get a feel for what DMing is like, 
but maybe they're not super comfortable building these large stories and these large worlds and filling it with characters and they're not maybe comfortable having like that DM screen in front of them. Overlord mode might be a really good way for them to get that flavor, get a feel for it. Like, is this something that I would want to do? Yeah. And a, so yeah. On a cool note, I actually kind of did Overlord mode when we when we played as a group. I played it, you know, I played it with John and then a bunch of other people. I think it was like six of us, and I just yeah. and I basically DM'd it, and it was actually kind of cool. Like from the, my perspective, it made the game go quicker, and it really did feel like a dungeon master, which was awesome. I forgot to thank him at the beginning, but you know, thanks for providing us a copy of your game uh, <laughs> so that we can play it. That was awesome. Yeah, we really enjoyed like just you know giving you feedback mm-hmm. and. You know, kind of helping you along the way. So awesome job with your campaign, and uh, you. congrats on being funded. And, Thank you. Uh, I know Matt uh, funded it, so we might. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably going to do like a giveaway or something somehow. I don't know what, what we're going to do, but uh, Thank you guys, especially because uh, as we were approaching, you know, Pax Unplugged, um, you know, I was talking with with my wife and and a few of our our colleagues here, and and we all kind of figured that you know Friday Night Games was going to be the uh, you know the the shot in the arm. That the game, you know, needed basically, because um, you know we were getting a lot of decent traction on Instagram and social media and all, but but after you guys took notice, like, all right, this is gonna help us get to that, you know, that next step that we, that next level that we need to get to. So thank you very much for for your help throughout the entire thing, um, and uh, <laughs> your your no, feedback no was actually. Yeah, yeah. Your feedback was actually completely clutch and, and critical uh, to create the uh, the selfless heroic act cards because uh, you know your suggestion like, hey, well, what about like a you know seventh card or whatever? Like, you know, players might be able to do this, and I'm like, we can make that happen. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes, yeah, we can show you the board game community. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, honestly, uh, we're we're really glad to to give feedback. Um, yeah, I'm gl- I'm glad that we're able to give you good feedback that you can use. I'm always afraid that if I give feedback, people will just be like, "Oh, what the?" You know, just throw it out the window or whatever. But oh, no. cool, I'm glad yeah. you used it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was glorious. All right, thanks, Alex, for uh, joining us on uh, our podcast today, talking about the Black Brick. You have another week left to back it on Kickstarter, so check mm-hmm. it out. Um, and we look forward to getting our copy in the mail when it comes. So, uh, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you guys. I, I love it.